This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Well, yesterday on the program, we heard from a Trinity Western University graduate. He actually came out in his second year at the university and he talked about what that was like and what his reaction was to the Supreme Court of Canada ruling, the Supreme Court to having ruled this past week that law societies would not have to accredit Trinity Western's students from a proposed law school. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about that ruling and what it means. And Raji Mangat is the Director of Litigation at West Coast Leaf and joins us on the line now. So great to have you back on the show. Thanks for being here. Oh, thank you for having me back. Uh, what is your reaction to uh, the Supreme Court of Canada decision uh, when we're t- talking about uh, Trinity Western University? Well, I think um, the Supreme Court of Canada, the majority of the judges really did strike the right balance um, between the responsibility of the law societies to promote and uphold the public interest um, where we're talking about a discriminatory barrier to admission to law school, which is ultimately a discriminatory barrier to admission to the profession. So, you know, the question here was whether this mandatory covenant um, applying to this proposed law school would, in fact, engage this type of admissions criteria that's discriminatory against not only LGBTQ people, but also um, anyone who believes in reproductive freedom. Because, of course, apart from prohibiting sexual intimacy amongst um, non-married heterosexual people, there's also the um, prohibition or rather the kind of um, affirmation of, of life at conception, and that would make someone who chose to have an abortion also be acting contrary to the covenant. So from our perspective, the, the court really did strike that right balance around um, what are the equality interests at play and, and what is what is it? What is important to do so, to do in protecting the public interest here, uh, protecting confidence in the administration of justice, and promoting a, a more diverse and inclusive legal profession? It's what do you say to it? Is it's odd to have a, a, a ruling when and all of the, the a lot of the reaction to this? Uh, on the one hand, people are saying they're disappointed because it's discriminatory, and on the other hand, people are saying they are pleased because it gets rid of the discrimination. From the perspective that the ruling is discriminatory because it doesn't allow TWU to have the law school, right? And and some would make the argument or are making the argument that it's a strike against religious freedom. Well, I mean, I think the majority of the courts, um, there's a lot to unpack in this judgment, uh, especially the the longer judgment, which is the one that speaks to the Law Society of British Columbia's um, appeal. But um, the majority really looks at, well, what's at stake here? Is it that, is the religious right really that you have to study law in a community where you dictate the conduct of other people, other people who may you say you welcome um, non-Christians and and inclusive, you know, you're promoting an inclusive and diverse student body, but your covenant is actually forcing others to act in conformity with your religious beliefs. So, the way the majority uh, five judges really looks at um, what is the religious right at play, I think is quite interesting, because one of the judges says, hey, TWU, there's no religious um, freedom issue here at all. 
and five say, okay, yes, there is, but it's a pretty minimal interest you have in studying law in an environment where you can dictate what other people do in the privacy of their own home. Um, so, you know, and then we've got the, the chief justice and the two dissenting judges who say this is a significant intrusion on uh, the former chief justice, I should say, um, that this is a significant intrusion on religious freedom. So the decision is very interesting because it also sort of says there's different views at the, at the court about what the scope of religious freedom is, and it'll be interesting to see how that sort of shakes out um, in future decisions, because there's quite a lot going on in this judgment. Uh, there is. Uh, do you think it's, it's different in that, or, or the crux of this is that we're talking about a law school and we're talking about something where there is a, a finite number of people who are called to the bar every year and positions for lawyers in this country. It's not as though we're talking about a Bachelor of Arts or a, a degree where it's a degree, but there's not. it's not like there's a limited number that then get called to the bar. Well, I mean, it's interesting because the, the courts in B.C., the, the B.C. Supreme Court and the B.C. Court of Appeal, really kind of did approach this as a numbers game and said, well, actually, what's happening here is that there will be more law school seats. So isn't this actually going to be good for LGBTQ law students? Because, hey, all the folks that are interested in having an evangelical religious and uh, um, educational experience will be applying to TWU, which means, hey, there'll be more spaces open. But um, what the, the Supreme Court of Canada really clarifies, and this is something I really like about this judgment, is that Substantive equality is not about numbers. It's not about separate but equal or separate but unequal. It's not about how many placements are there. It's about that true inclusion and equality and diversity. And so I think that, you know, the decision isn't that somebody who goes to Trinity Western University um, couldn't ever become a lawyer in the province of BC. It's that you can't have a law school that has a mandatory covenant that discriminates against people by basically saying for three years on and off campus, you can't be who you are. Um, that, that, so I think there's a bit of conflating. It's not saying that, you know, someone who graduated from Trinity Western University couldn't apply um, there are other mechanisms. People who go to law school outside of Canada come and are admitted to the bars in the different provinces in Canada through a different process. So, you know, what's different about this decision from the other TWU decision that was decided back in 2001, and that was around the BC Teachers College, is that here we're saying it's the access that's discriminatory. We're not saying there was no suggestion um, that someone coming out of a proposed law school that was evangelical would necessarily be discriminating in their legal practice. But the law society can't, as the gatekeeper to the profession, say it's okay for you to discriminate against people because that sets up a discriminatory barrier right from the beginning, right from the outset. And it does also, I think, uh, people tend to shake their head a little bit at this as well, in that does anybody truly believe that the covenant has been followed strictly, that there hasn't been a student who has fallen outside of the covenant, who has signed it, and then gone against the covenant? And and it's not as though there are repercussions for that. The students, I'm sure, are doing that all the time and are still graduating from TWU. 
But there are repercussions because in the very text of the covenant, it, it says that there are, you know, if you if you are found to be someone who violates the covenant, you could be suspended or expelled. And there's a policing aspect of it where other students can report you. It's not just that the university has to, you know, sort of find you in, in doing something contrary to the covenant, but that other students can police your conduct. And that, that just, I think sets of a very it sort of sets an environment where it's clearly not okay to be gay <laughs> it's not okay to have um, homosexual relationships it's not okay to be someone who's in a common law relationship heterosexual common law relationship even and to have sex for three years while you're a student in this proposed law school uh, where do you think it will go from here in that it's clearly sparking a lot of conversations and uh, debate about the issue? Uh, what do we take from this ruling and where do we go from here? Well, I, I mean, I think in terms of, you know, TWU has sought um, this proposed law school for almost, I, I think, maybe for two decades now. It's been quite some time that they've been developing this law school. I think they, you know, they can consider whether they would be willing to have the law school and have it have, you know, an optional covenant, because of course the decision here was really around the mandatory nature of the covenant and that it essentially coerces other people to abide by um, an evangelical uh, religious conduct. Um, but I, I don't know if that's something that TWU would be willing to consider. Um, I know that at least one of the other law societies had, uh, I think it maybe was Nova Scotia, had put that to them. Would you would you make this covenant, um, you know, optional or voluntary? Uh, and and I don't think that they, there was that was something that uh, TWU was willing to consider. And so. I mean, in terms of the law school, it sort of seems like at this point in time, it's a non-starter. But of course, you know, TWU will have to think about whether there's some other way in which they might be able to to uh, have that law school. But it, it is opening up a lot of conversations about the scope of religious freedom and what happens when your religious freedom does come into contact with basically coercing somebody else to act a certain way, uh, you know, and these are going to be the hard choices and hard decisions that courts are going to have to come up to, to dealing with as we move forward, as the sort of quote-unquote easier equality cases um, kind of have been dealt with. And now we're getting into into more challenging situations where one's freedoms are purportedly coming right up in contact with another person's rights and particularly equality rights and freedom of religion, I think we're going to see a lot more of these kinds of uh, decisions coming forward in, in the future. Does it also, do you think, reinforce the the fact that law societies are the decision makers when it comes to accreditation? And whether we're talking about religious freedom or we're talking about whatever reason uh, the law society might decide to accredit or not accredit, that they do have that power to make those decisions? Yeah, so that that's the other interesting piece of the judgment is, you know, really looking at well, what's the role and responsibility and power of these of the law societies um, as self-governing regulatory bodies for lawyers across the province, across the provinces, I should say. Um, you know, what 
what is the role? What role do these law societies have? And, and I think Trinity Western University had argued that the law society's role doesn't expand into thinking about, um, you know, admissions to law school, that their role is really limited to whether somebody is competent to be a lawyer in the province, um, you know, become licensed to practice law in the province. But the the um, scope of the statutory authority that's given to the law societies is quite broad, and they're they're um, they're required to be looking at the public interest and and public confidence in the administration of justice, and that's sort of what gives them the power to consider whether um, discriminatory admissions to law school, which you know ultimately is admission to the profession and also further admission to the judiciary because it's lawyers that become judges. So, you know, I think that that looking at that power in the broad way that the majority does, I think is the right way to go because it, it is about the public interest. It is about public confidence. And it can't be that, um, you know, a, a government entity like the Law Society, which gets its power from the government, can be discriminating, can say it's okay for people to discriminate. It's okay for there to be uh, discriminatory law schools because this would have been the first one. Um, there's no other law school across Canada that has any other requirement apart from merit, apart from sort of the application process, the grades, your recommendation letters, that sort of thing. Um, This would be the first law school that would specifically allow for discriminatory admissions. And I think that did play a significant role in the way the law societies kind of looked at um, approval of this proposed law school, that, hey, is it really in the public interest in 2018 when we're trying to promote um, in diversity in our profession, we're trying to promote inclusion. There's no law school in Canada that will deny somebody admission on the basis that they're an evangelical Christian. All right, we'll have to leave it there. We're out of time. Uh, But Raji, thank you again so much for joining us. Always great to have you on the show. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.